for the first time again, welcome. It is the fourth week of our Advent series, uh, and today we're talking about joy. Um, thank y'all. Y'all literally can stay there. Like, I ain't, it ain't gonna bother me. <laughs> but thank y'all so much for being dope. <laughs> I want to pray, and then we'll jump into uh, to, uh, this sermon on joy. God, we thank you for your word and ways in which our lives are transformed because of it. We thank you, God, that you are with us. And what that does for our souls, you are with us. Thank you, Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, as we move into this time where we together as a family are united in our thoughts and our mind and our hearts around God, your heart revealed to us, your scripture, may we be renewed. It's in Jesus' name, amen. The title uh, of the sermon is Joy to the World. Um, Leasa, who was leading this morning, which, yee, sis. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you, picked the, you picked the first song, right? Like, and she didn't even know what the sermon was about, but I love when that comes together. Christine and I were driving in together, like, did you tell Leasa you were preaching on joy? Like, no. <laughs> um, but I love when that, I mean, yes, it's a Christmas song, so to speak. Um, but also just an opportunity for the first thing we do together to be, to sing about this joy to the world. Um, it is a, it's a great demonstration of how the Holy Spirit works in us and through us, and so I love it. We'll be in Luke chapter 1, verse, verses 46 through 55, uh, but I want you to see this picture because honestly, every single time I hear the word joy, this is what I think of. And so those of you who have young, who had young kids around 2015, you watched this movie Inside Out. Those of you who were young around 2015, you probably watched Inside Out. And those of you who are young at heart <laughs> and like to go to the movie theater by yourself, get your popcorn and watch a Pixar film, okay, you watched, <laughs> you watched inside out and joy is this character's name but she also is the personification of joy for uh riley but if i were to be honest with you i would not call this character joy i i think that she embodied a caricature of joy but I honestly would have given her a different name. Based upon how she interacted with everybody, it would be unbridled optimism. That, like, if you saw that movie, she was just like all over the place, like only positive, only positive. No, we're not gonna go slow. Stop crying candy bars. Like we're only going to be optimistic about everything. <laughs> and I think sometimes we think about joy and we think about it that way. We think joy equals 
unbridled optimism. I have to be optimistic about all things. And let's be real, all right? Like, that's not realistic. That's not true, right? Joy is not just that. Um, if you spend more than a couple days with me, you'll realize that I can kind of slip into that unbridled optimism where some, I have to be reminded that, <laughs> like, hey, it's like sometimes things are trash and it's okay that we acknowledge that. But my default is that caricature, like, yes, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> That's my default. Um, but that's not really what joy is. That's an element of joy. And it's cool. I don't want to live in a world without that. I don't. I don't want to live in a world without someone around me having unbridled optimism. I need at least two people in my life <laughs> who are unrealistically optimistic. <laughs> um, when we talk about joy um, here, we've uh, talked about it from a, diff a number of different perspectives. We read a book as a lead team, and then also Lisa, who's our adult ministries director, she did a book study through the book, The Other Half of Church, which is a phenomenal book. I really would encourage, if you haven't read it yet, it's a really great book kind of unpacking some of the brain science of relationships and fellowship and community, really, really good. If you're kind of like that mix between all the feels of being around people, but also enjoy the nerdiness of understanding how our brains function, that's your book. There's a quote in there that says, Dr. Alan Shore defined joy relationally, right? This is relationally speaking as someone who is glad to be with me and being the sparkle in someone's eye. Basically what he's saying is, as it relates to our relationships, what sparks joy in us relationally is when someone is glad to be with me. And we know what that feels like. When you walk into a room and like, hey, Chase is here, what's up? Right? Or, or even when it's not that excitement, but someone in you are grieving or you're mourning and someone is glad to be with you in that grieving even if they're not fixing it they're not saying words that help but they're not saying words that hurt Amen. and they're just there with you that's a part of that glad to be with me kind of thing that sparks joy in us so from a relational standpoint, that's kind of what Dr. Shore is getting at. But from a biblical standpoint, it's not opposite. It's just so multifaceted, right? Joy is not just a one. It doesn't have one definition. Honestly, when we see peace in Scripture, we talked about peace last week, right? There's really kind of these two ways to process it from a biblical standpoint. The absence of conflict and calm in the middle of chaos, right? When we talk about hope, it's real. like there's kind of a one lane about hope. It's the anticipation of what you're looking for. When we talk about faith, it is the belief in something that I can't prove, but I have no shadow of doubt inside of me that it is. There's not many other ways to really look at those. Joy is not that. 
Joy is a very multifaceted thing. That's why it's got that diamond up there. Most, many of us don't, you know, I, I, I can say that I wasn't completely sure where the concept of multifaceted came from. Um, but diamonds are a really good way to think about multifaceted because a part of the value of diamonds has to do with how many facets, cuts, how many ways in which the light can bend off of the angles in the diamond determines its value. And joy being a multifaceted character or fruit of the Spirit is a really really important thing for us to take a look at. From a biblical standpoint, uh, joy is this complete happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, gratification, contentment, strength, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) The pattern is complete is the important piece, right? It's not partial satisfaction. It is complete satisfaction. From a biblical standpoint, joy is sparked when I am fulfilled to the space where there's no lacking, and it causes a in me. From a biblical standpoint, when I am missing something and it is completed, or there is a gaping hole somewhere and it is filled in, joy is the natural result of that. Paul says things like, make my joy complete (laughs) by being of like mind, right? That's something that Paul encourages. When we think about joy from a biblical standpoint, we have to look at it like that. And that's actually what brings us to our portion of Scripture. It's not an unfamiliar portion of Scripture, but most people don't really read it with this in mind. Mary, after finding out she was prego, she takes a trip to go and visit her cousin, Elizabeth. We remember this, yeah? Linus told us a little bit about this (laughs) in the Charlie Brown Christmas story, right? She takes this trip, and immediately upon seeing her, John, in Elizabeth's belly, like, hey, (laughs) your cuz is here. Which, if you have multiple little uh, children that, ha- that when they see their cousins, you know exactly what happened with John. Like, ah, the cousins! No. <laughs> John leaped. Elizabeth praised God and celebrated Mary. And Mary's response is here. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. 
He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their throne and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made his this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. We talk a lot about what kind of tension Mary must have been feeling. And I, don't, I think that's real. I think it's important to talk about that. I've never been pregnant before. But those of you who have, you get there's some feelings that come along with that. I've never been betrothed to someone and found out that I was pregnant. <laughs> and that could have literally gotten me killed. But you'd imagine there's some tension that comes along with that. Mary is in this space of all of this tension but still has an opportunity to see God doing some fulfilling and some satisfying and some promise-keeping and some honoring and some making her happy in all of the middle of what's going on. And that's a part of the joy that we're talking about. God kept his promise to Israel, and Mary is able to see that complete fulfillment. And it's not even done yet, and she can see it. Baby is, like, notice John jumped, but nothing, we didn't, like, Jesus didn't jump. He's probably a little too small still to feel anything. But there is this fulfillment that Mary is living in anticipation of. And it sparks joy in her to the point where she can rejoice because God has kept his promise to Israel. God has kept his promise. God has done what he said that he's going to do. Three months ago, she got this crazy promise from this angel that she was bringing in a Savior into the world. And honestly, there's not much evidence that you can, like, that you can have with that, right? When you think about it, first of all, there ain't no pregnancy test back then. But even if there was, how do I know that this is actually a thing? To have her cousin experience elation in her womb and to have something drop in her soul that she could not even have any control or influence over Oh, God, you are fulfilling your promise. You're doing what you said that you would do. I have no control over, and it's happening. Joy inside of her. Joy from a biblical standpoint is while multifaceted, it's not limited by what I know, what I'm currently experiencing. It works with love. It works with peace. It works with hope. 
Some of us have got the hope part figured out, but we can't be happy in the middle because we don't know how to connect joy with my anticipation. I can be in complete anticipation of something and complete happiness while waiting to get it. It's possible. Mary showed us that. I can be content. I can be filled with love even in the middle of crazy going on around me. And that is a way in which joy kind of gets in there and starts sparkling off everything. That's why I use the diamond. Not just because it's a girl's best friend. But no, it has this uniqueness to it. It's, it is the thing that actually does give us strength, but it's also the thing that kind of empowers all these other elements of Advent, and it's also the thing that starts bouncing off all these other things too. And honestly, without it, my peace is limited. Let's just be real. Without it, we're struggling to get peace. That's why I said I need about two people around me with unbridled optimism so they can kind of lift me up when my peace is kind of waning. Because without it, even working up the strength to have peace in and of itself is a drain. Working up the strength to have faith is a drain. When joy isn't a part of the puzzle, Another element of that book that I suggested, the other half of church is talking about relational circuits. Lisa has talked about relational circuits here, but just to remind us what relational circuits are, it's this kind of like on and off switch. Like, right, you've had those moments where it's like a trash day. <laughs> Somebody says something to you and it like, mm, I, you know what, I don't feel like talking to nobody. And if I can make it through the rest of this day with just me and this coffee, I'm good. <laughs> right? Then somebody immediately come in and try to ask you, what are we having for dinner? Listen, if one person asks me one more thing about dinner, I promise y'all all going to have toast and water. Like, <laughs> your relational circuits are off. <laughs> That's what right? Relational circuits being off means I don't want to engage relationally. But it also, it's not just limited to things I don't want to do. There's things that I might want to do that I still don't want to do because my relational circuits are off. And I definitely don't want to do them with anybody else. Even though I love you, I don't want to be around you right now. Yeah. We all experience that. That's a human moment. That's not an immature thing, right? Some of us have been taught that we got to mature our way through that. That's just a human response to having a trash day. And, and our relational circuits being turned on is by expressing gratitude. It's not always gratitude about that thing, but when we start to rehearse, I'm thankful that I'm in a warm building right now, right? I'm thankful that even though these people are asking me about dinner, I'm thankful that there's something in the freezer to cook. I'm thankful, and, you, and sometimes it takes some work to turn that on, right? And that's okay. It sometimes takes a little work, and that's all right. 
But when we rehearse this gratitude, then joy becomes a part of my reality and then I get to connect it to all those other things. I'm not striving for peace anymore. It's a part of it. I'm not striving for to love well. Joy becomes this unique element. And even in this story of Christ's coming, joy is a unique element. Because when you really think about all of the details connected to this story, not the hyper Fan, you know, not the hyper uh, fairy tale version that we tell each other, but all the nasty, crazy details connected to the story of Jesus coming into the world. It required joy for them to come out without cussing. Let's just be real. Joy, they needed joy to come out without cussing each other out. Because if I was Joseph, Mary would have had it. No. <laughs> But joy. No. <laughs> there was a joy that was a piece of that puzzle. And so, keeping in line with the idea of joy being this diamond, let Jesus be your setting. The very thing that holds my joy, it doesn't slip. A good setting, the diamond doesn't fall out of it. My brother-in-law is like nodding because he used to work, and oh, he used to be a jeweler. So I was like, yep, I know, exactly. The diamond doesn't fall out of it. If joy is this incredibly important element in how I view Advent, and Advent isn't just the anticipation of Christ's first return, right? It's the anticipation of his return again. Well, how do I maintain my, my peace and my faith while I wait for him to come back? Christ actually has to be the setting by which my joy is there because honestly, honestly, if Christ is not my setting, then the world around me knocks my diamond out of place. If Christ is not my setting, if me not arguing with my wife is my setting, the moment we have conflict, all my joy is gone. If my children getting good grades is my setting, then the moment they come home with a D, I'm all up in arms and I have no joy, peace or love or hope. If not having to juggle my finances is my setting, then the moment when Somebody, when, when Consumer Energy sends me that text message saying that it's late. <laughs> Some of y'all know that one. Like, just want to let you know you haven't paid your bill yet. <laughs> my whole day is messed up. When Christ is my setting, it doesn't mean that my life is, is filled with just the steadiness of all the external circumstances. It just means that there's the, that's the one thing in my life that's not going to slip. It's the one thing in my life that's consistent regardless. And I mean the one thing, because I'm not even that consistent. Amen. Amen. If my joy is set on me, trust me, it's going to be all over the place. <laughs> I'm telling you, listen, you ain't lived with me. I can be like this. 
<laughs> Christine said, amen. <laughs> hey, we're family. We're family here. <laughs> I can be all over the place. That's one of the joys of being with me. <laughs> if my joy is set even in my own steadiness, trust me when I tell you, I would have lost that diamond a long time ago. But if it is set in Christ, when I am having conflict with my wife, when I am experiencing disappointment in my children's grades, when I am not experiencing the financial freedom that I want, when I am all over the place, when this person does say something to me, when that person does do this and I don't like it, when the election doesn't end the way I want it to, when this pandemic doesn't go away as quickly as I want it to, when the stock market is moving in a way in which I feel uncomfortable, when gas prices keep going up and I still haven't gotten a raise, dot, 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 I still have access to a multifaceted value that will embolden my peace, embolden my love, embolden my hope. And I'm not pulling upon my own energy to have faith, love, or hope. God, everything else around me is crazy, but God, you're good. I thank you for just wanting to be with. Sometimes, honestly, I'll have no external circumstances to praise him about. <laughs> thank you, God, that you want to be with me. Because <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> thank you, God, that you just want to be with me. And if that's all I got to ride on today, Thank you, God, that you just want to be with me because I know I'm all over the place right now. I'm in a time in my life where I can't even depend upon my own emotions. Thank you for not leaving me. Alone. So there's a song that we used to sing when I was a kid. Um, and I'm just going to sing par a part of it. Um, and it's not a Christmas song, but it has to do with this concept. And you may know the words of it. You might sing it and hum it. If that's okay. If you don't, you can go ahead and start the music. But either way, listen to the words of it. <clears throat> Jesus, you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment, hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. When I've lost my direction, you're the compass for my way. You're the fire and the light 
when the nights are long and cold. In sadness, you're the laughter that shatters all my fears. When I'm all alone, you're the hand it's there to hold. Oh, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. Oh, you're the heart of my contentment, hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. You are why I find pleasure in the simple things in life. You are the music and the melodies and the strings. The voices of the children, my family and my home. You are the source and the finish of my highest dreams. Oh, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. Oh, you're the heart of my contentment, hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. God, Jesus, you're the center of my joy, Jesus, you're the center of my joy, Jesus, you're the center of my joy, oh, Jesus, you're the center of my joy, oh Jesus, you're the center of my joy, oh Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Father, Give us grace to live in that. I thank you for the song because it reminds us. But also I thank you for the praise of Mary because it reminds us of a fulfillment. God, you are faithful, period. You're the steady thing. You promise things to our ancestors and bring them to pass. 
be the center of our joy. Not just an element and not just a facet, but the very setting. And give us grace when we have allowed life to knock it to the side. Give us grace to allow you to recenter it in you. But also, Father, in humility, give us discipline. For when I place my joy somewhere else, to move it back where it belongs, not out of condemnation, but simply out of the conviction of your Holy Spirit that guides me to your good, help me to bring it back to where it belongs. We give you glory, we honor you. And Lord, as we actually spend the next few days preparing completely for Christmas and even celebrating, may we carry along with us this hope that you have given us, this peace that you have given us, this love that you have given us, and this joy. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.